Did I leave the oven on? Surely not. I checked it twice before I left. I'm 45 minutes away from the house. I can't go back now, can I? No, that would be a compulsion, wouldn't it? But what if I burn down the house and it kills my neighbours? What if I want to kill my neighbours? What if I want to harm people in general? What if I just stabbed my sister? Oh God, now I'm picturing it. What if I kill my cat? What if I jump in front of a bus? What if I push someone off the stairs over there? What if I'm secretly a serial killer or a sociopath? Oh God, now I am picturing it. What if I really left the oven on? What is wrong with me? Make it stop. Welcome to Is It Me or My OCD? Casting a light on some people's experiences with the disorder. This is a conversation with Ashling Smith, who's been struggling with OCD for decades, first noticing it when she was a young child. I would say I was very young anyway. I remember being extremely affected by the case of Jamie Bulger being murdered. And that like really kind of affected me and stayed with me. Like until now, when I hear his name, I actually kind of just feel just uh, really like terrible. The idea that something like that could happen or that, you know, people could do something like that. So that's always kind of been the case, like news stories or sad stories. People would be talking. They would just have affected me a lot, a lot more. I was really quite a, like a very small child. So there was always kind of things about, you know, eating enough and stuff. So I, I was would have been quite nervous. I think I was about 11 maybe and I had a really bad dose of food poisoning. And I think your stomach actually shrinks. From then when I was would try and eat, I'd feel nauseous and I definitely became really kind of obsessive about that then. Like just being really scared to eat basically or eat too much. Again, when I was really young, I suppose the, the kind of fear of contamination, that idea of washing your hands after going to the toilet or... A particular memory about meat so I would have maybe been about seven or eight and you know putting on rashers and someone being like well you have to make sure you wash your hands really well afterwards you can get food poisoning from meat and it's uh, again just normal things where someone else would go oh okay just really affected me so you know every time then I'm kind of washing them uh, several times I, I remember when I was really young this idea of like thinking thoughts I didn't want to think uh, really bad like thinking about you know all the like poor children in Rwanda and then I'd have a thought of like who cares like or you know I hope they die and it would just pop into my head and I'd feel absolutely awful but it was just a thought I didn't want it's a thought that made me uncomfortable I said it to my mum and she was like well that's not what you really think so don't worry about it it's fine but I had this fear of what if that is how what I really think and I'm a you know kind of bad person basically Did you think you were different to other kids? Like, do you remember thinking to yourself, okay, why am I having all of this going on in my head and they're not? So is there something wrong with me? Like, could you, did you feel like you were different to everybody else? Well, I think when I was very young, I didn't understand why other kids weren't as concerned about rules and like how they could like flagrantly do what their parents told them not to do. Like I was more just kind of nonsense than, um, than, than thinking there was something wrong with me. Was it initially that you just cared a lot about the rules and it became an OCD thing? Or do you think that it was indicative of the fact that you probably had OCD that you were that worried about the rules? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was that I had OCD and I, I, I would 
fixate on rules and I just hadn't it, it kind of hadn't manifested itself in any other way yet or any other way that you know was interfering with my life it was it was most prominent when I did something that I thought I wasn't meant to do so I I, I kind of remember being really young and uh, I think we were on a Sunday having like a pub lunch and I was outside playing with some other little girl and she was kind of jumping off steps and I did the same thing but I knew I shouldn't have I obviously I still remember it but I thought about that for weeks like feeling the the slightest bit in any kind of trouble or any kind of disappointment would just really uh, fester with me. When did it start coming to a head where you started to be like, okay, hang on, this is interfering with my life too much. So it, it flared very badly. I'd say I was in maybe transition year and um, I was taking, it was taking me about two hours to have a shower, maybe even two and a half hours to have a shower. It was really, it was really upsetting. So just couldn't get out. I knew it wasn't normal and I knew something was wrong and, you know, my hair was horrible. <laughs> It was just absolutely uh, like bone dry and I was just so aware that I, you know, didn't look well then, if, if that makes sense. It was obviously just taking me ages to, to do anything, but it, it would be particularly before something that I was nervous about or I wanted to go well. So like my 16th birthday I felt was really important. And so that's obviously the time when, you know, just completely couldn't get out of the shower and then then when I was out with friends and we'd go to the cinema or we'd do whatever whenever we were leaving one location I'd have to go to the bathroom and I'd I'd be in there for about like 15 minutes I just couldn't get off the toilet basically I was just so worried that I hadn't gone enough so it was it was that it was that you know really being aware of how kind of abnormal I was fifth year probably wasn't too much better and then when it was time to go back to school I went back in for like the first day and just the the kind of uniforms and the classes and the rules just felt so restrictive I really had this I can't do this I came home and said I really don't want to go back to school and I think mum thought it was more to do with academic or that I just wasn't happy there anymore and she had known noticed that I wasn't happy there anymore but she didn't know why so she had herself looked into the institute uh, which is like a grind school here in Dublin and she had the prospectus for it and she was like would you want to go do you want to go and look there I was thrilled like I'd already gone like I was back in school maybe it was two days went in the next day to the institute and they were happy to take me on and it was much more of a kind of a like a a college secondary school hybrid where there was no uniforms you were completely accountable to yourself you could kind of leave during class if you wanted you know there was oversight that you were attending class but that was it everything else was up to you and now it suited me a lot better for the OCD academically it, it probably didn't you know they didn't as I say there was there was no real kind of care or concern for the individual but so that really helped that kind of I suppose died died it down a bit then so it, it just kept breaching these kind of fever fit pitch points it would, it would it would then kind of subside I suppose your brain kind of recognized that it had to calm itself down till I was then about uh 20 and it, it reached the fever pitch didn't naturally subside Maybe if I rang my neighbour, she'd let herself in with that spare key and check if the oven is off. I should really get myself a house security camera so I could check it when I'm out. I took four pictures of the hob, one with flash, 
before I left the house, just to prove to myself that the oven is off. It should be fine, right? But what if I left the oven on? It could kill my family if it's on. The house could burn down. If I've left the oven on, I could kill other people too. What if I want to kill my neighbors? What if I want to harm people in general? What if I just stab my sister? Oh God, now I'm picturing it. Okay, I need to get into the car right now and check that the oven is off. It's 45 minutes away, but if I drive quick enough, I should make it. Let me get my keys. Fever pitch didn't naturally subside and I ended up having a panic attack, which I talk about in the play. The panic attack was absolutely terrible. Afterwards, I was so scared of having another panic attack that all my compulsions were tenfold. So I had had the panic attack going in on the bus into town. I had one message to do or something. It took me hours to get home. I couldn't, was standing on every crack on uh, ground. It would take me, I was going walking backwards and forwards. I, I couldn't get anywhere. And it was, it was at that point then that I kind of actually had to ask for help. I remember saying to my mum, I can't remember the last time I was happy, but I, I think like what I meant was you know, you'd have moments of happiness, enjoying something, being with friends, kind of forgetting, but actually just a, a, a feeling of kind of contentment I hadn't had in a long time. When it, when it reached that fever pitch then, I kind of directly said, I think I have OCD. And I explained what had happened that day, kind of said all the different things I was doing. But it also kind of filled in a lot of gaps for my poor mum of why I would disappear for ages at a time. It, it just, it made a lot of sense to her, I suppose. You know, there was no, there was no question of not um, believing me or anything. Like, but it was, it was actually, the problem was her understanding it. And I was due to go on holiday the next day with my siblings and my sister-in-law. I, I was kind of wondering if I should not go. And mum said, no, definitely go. You will enjoy it. And so I went, but I I was in a very, not, not a great way. Uh, so my sister-in-law noticed immediately. She's very, she is very perceptive. And she noticed immediately there was something wrong and rang my mum and mum told her and she kind of told my sisters and it was the right thing to do. And I kind of knew it was the right thing to do. I wasn't even, it's not like I was mad or anything because um, it was a real feeling of, of something has to give. And then some people were a lot better at kind of handling that information or understanding it. Horribly, I got, my my compulsions got worse then because when I was trying to keep it a secret, if I was in the same room as someone, the fear of people finding out was kind of greater than the fear of the bad thing happening or of something going wrong. But now that people knew the, the fear of the bad thing happening was the only thing that was there. So I, I was starting now to do compulsions in other people's sight. I went to the GP who gave me a prescription for, not even sure what it is, probably like a, an extremely uh, low version of Xanax. And it was very, it was very nice to have something medical and physical after all this kind of irrationality to have something that I could take if needed. A friend of mine had been, she'd been living in Paris for the year and she came back and she found me as nearly a completely different person. She was very direct. Uh, what's going on? What are you doing? Why did you touch the floor? What's happening? <laughs> and it was really, really good. She was, um, you know, you kind, you kind of need the kind of logic and confrontation. I had great friends and my family were really great. Mum made an appointment for me with a psychiatrist, 
which did take a long time. It took a couple of weeks to get an appointment and and I think it was 150 euro per appointment. And I, I went once a week for a few months and then uh, lowered it down to once a month. I couldn't have done that on my own. Like that was literally my parents funding that. There was one appointment I had and I was sitting out in the waiting room um, and another girl came in with her mum. So I was there on my own. I, my mum would have brought me for definitely the first couple of months and then she just started dropping me off or I'd make my own way. The, the poor girl was really anxious and kind of in a bad way and didn't want to wait. She was kind of saying, I'll, I'll just, I, I don't, don't want to be here. Um, she was about my age and the secretary asked if it'd be okay if she went ahead of me and I said yeah no absolutely fine they kind of said to her just you know just come in I, I chatted a tiny bit to her mum and it was the the say she the mum said the same thing that the psychiatrist had said on the on the first day of um you know it's it's so hard something you can't see you'd you'd, you'd rather the like proverbial broken arm and I was I was saying yeah and no, I understand and I, I think she had just started on medication and it takes your body about three or four weeks to adapt to the medication you're extremely tired it can make you feel a bit nauseous you need to find the one that's right for you I suppose and so I think that's what girl was kind of going through at that time it really made me suddenly realize how far I'd come and you know the mum was saying you know you're obviously doing great you're here on your own and it hadn't occurred to me but I suddenly realized yeah no I actually am you know the recovery kind of creeps up on you a little bit that you it it's you've especially when you've had it for so long it takes an awful long time to combat against it but you are moving forward and managing it much more than you might realize if if that makes sense that really brought home to me that actually yeah in a few months time I'm a lot happier than I I was and it was only seeing someone where I had been a few months previously that made me realize it. I'm turning off the engine of this car. This is an intrusive thought. I have not left the oven on. But what if I have? No, this is about coping with uncertainty. That's what my therapist said. Gosh, I just wish I could go check that oven, but I won't. I'm getting out of the car. It's not me, it's the OCD. Weave a dramatisation running throughout this documentary, depicting some people's experiences with OCD that have been sent to me before I did this interview with you. But there's obviously a big place for OCD in the arts because you have a play about OCD as well called OCD Me, which has been based on your experiences. You wrote it, you directed it and you staged it. And when I saw it, I noticed that you've got this like injection of comedy in it. Laura, the actress who plays Sarah, who's based on you, she, I think it's funny that she addresses somebody at the front of the audience and is like, you picked a good seat there, you're close to the exit. And then like she bounces to the person at the back and she's like, you're a little bit far away from the exit, but it's okay, there's not going to be a fire. And like, it's quite comical because it's really depicting that inner monologue that she's having. But the best thing is, is that like it keeps coming back to that throughout the play. It just shows like the obsessive nature of OCD. Did you enjoy representing the absurdity of it all? I mean, obviously, an incredibly serious condition. But did you think that it was kind of enjoyable to put like comedy onto something so serious? One big 
thing for me would be, and I, I like I mentioned it in the play as well, is is uh, coming home from a night out and my cat, you know, wanting to be let in and me kind of going backwards and forwards and not being able to get into the house and like the judgmental look of the cat. <laughs> really you know I like the cat knew I'd OCD before anyone else um and I it did like I I, I could well I knew it was funny kind of thing the, the bit in the play of, of of coming back to the sea choice so I, I would very much that would always when I'm going to the theater and thing and it's awful because it sometimes does nearly stop me going to the theater the fact that you know you're you're in this situation where you're not meant to move or talk or even cough for an hour and you know it, it, it feels quite regimented Um, it probably stops me going sometimes more than it should especially if I'm looking up seat choices and there isn't an aisle I'd be I'd be kind of slow to book it Um, which is ridiculous because obviously it's you know I really enjoy <laughs> theatre it's what I do Um, but I, I don't go to as much as I should kind of because of that so I had put that in and I worked with a dramaturg Jocelyn Clark and I, I had all that kind of at the start that she comes out and is immediately talking about where everyone's sitting. And, and he was saying, you know, would you space that out? And it made, it suddenly made perfect sense because she's not going to stop thinking about it. You know, you need to show that by, by her. It became, you know, became even more of her talking to the audience and trying to, trying to break it down. Absolutely. Like, as in it did, like it's drip fed in there so much so that it keeps the trail of like, this is still going on in her mind. And even there, like, I know we talk about the little bit of comedy because like, as you said, like that vision of your cat judging you so harshly, like in frowning at you, like, just come in the house and feed me. Like, it's one of those things, like it is comical and you've obviously, you know, got to a space with it where you can kind of, you can kind of laugh at some of the stuff. But it's, I mean, it's very serious. And when you when you look at like the paralyzing days you had years ago, and I'm sure it still has flare ups. I'm sure the recovery is not linear, as we know. But does it put you off when people use phrases like, oh, I'm really OCD about things. And I'm, you know, just like just talking about how they're neat and stuff like that element of it. Does that kind of kill the humor? I feel like obviously, you know, that thing of, say, your your, your sibling of, you know, I can be mean to my little brother, but no one else can. Um, it's It's that idea of because I have a whole... Under, an understanding of it or the whole it's 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 when someone says um oh I'm so OCD and you know they don't have an iota of an understanding of what OCD actually is that yeah it, it, it sucks it sucks any any kind of humor out of it you've clearly got an abundance of strength behind you because I mean to go through everything that you've that you've gone through to bring this to the stage and you can feel throughout the play like it's so personal to you, but also it could apply to so many people with OCD. Um, and as you said, obviously, every, everyone's everyone's experience with OCD is very individualistic. But there is a bit that Laura says at the end of the play. She says, you know, she's speaking, I suppose, on behalf of you, uh, still in character. And she says, you know, the, the, it would just would have been a bit, a bit of a step too far for you to play the character yourself. What type of strength did it take to... I suppose, get you that far. And obviously it was a decision that you made to have somebody else play the character. Was that something that you found artistically would have worked better or was it that you just didn't really want to, I suppose, be so vulnerable up there on your own? Because that would have been really, really difficult. I can imagine I wouldn't have been able to do it myself. I didn't feel I'd be able to do compulsions 
you know, night after night. I was kind of worried about that if the effect it would have, or as as you say, heard like you know physicality and the embodiment of the emotions and feelings. I didn't want to put myself in that. I suppose because I'm I'm not a trained actress, so I I, I would have I think been able to do it and do it justice, but. I I would have been putting more um, emotion and more of myself into it than is healthy for an actual actress. Now I did like so I was really inspired by plays um, Pat Kinnevin and Sonia Kelly when I finished my MA. They both had their plays. Uh, Silent was Pat's and. Um, wheelchair on my face uh Sonia brought out around the same time and they really inspired me that you could write a show about your experiences and it be serious but still have humor um uh but I I I just felt that I wouldn't be be able to act in it in it and 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 kind of just do it over and over again um writing it was actually a lot more difficult than I had anticipated um I hadn't really sat down and thought about the timeline of it before or really in in order to articulate an emotion you need to kind of make yourself really remember what that emotion was like and uh, I found it a lot more overwhelming than I realized it took me I'd say nearly two years to write the play I, I would do write for a week or two and then completely step away from it for a month or more and then come back um and I also just had so like, you know, hundreds of pages of thoughts and uh, bits and ideas and, you know, kind of memories um, trying to trying to collate them together and kind of uh, condense it into in, into something that made sense that that was a play. Um, so I, I knew definitely whatever I thought before after writing it, there was no way I was going to actors <laughs> what did the play do for you though like catharsically when you look back what do you think it's achieved for your own personal self it's so in, information is 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 really important with ocd what you you can feel that you don't want to know anything more about it and in, in case it makes it worse or in case you develop uh if you hear about other people's compulsions maybe i'll take them on as well um so i i actually making myself uh, research OCD and even learn a few more things just scientifically that I hadn't known. I'd, I'd known the experience of it, but it was it was beneficial, I think, to, to know more about it broadly for myself to, to get everything out, that it was kind of, even though it was difficult, it was cathartic. It opened an awful lot of conversations, especially with my family things they could relate to it opened conversations with other people who had OCD that I I would never have sought out a a group or or talked to other people before it was it was really nice it was it was much nicer and and more communal than I could have imagined and then just a a few now now and I've had a couple of people with OCD who who have said they they felt very heard or that it really represented I I've you know, it's meant a lot to them. That's just hugely gratifying. I suppose any piece of art, that'd be gratifying, but it's it's particularly so in this case. Was the play more so, like, I suppose, was it kind of a 50-50? Like, the play was for you, 
a cathartic experience and it was important to you to tell this story. But I imagine as well, there is also an awful lot of, I want to tell this story so that I can get information across and that people will understand it and that maybe people will learn something about OCD and that it might resonate with someone and help someone or, you know, someone might say, hang on a minute, I know someone who's like that. I wonder, did they... Do they know that maybe it's OCD? You know, maybe they're struggling. Was there a lot of that in it as well? Yeah, generating empathy and understanding were were really a, a big a big part of it. I think it's it's a particularly I think maligned condition. You know that it is often trivialized or just just slightly mispresented in in um, in popular culture. Um, so it just it it felt kind of needed it felt kind of uh necessary um and that was uh yeah probably yeah either 50 50 myself and getting it across or even or even 40 60 of actually getting it across um I think it was more cathartic than I had realized um my intent at the start was 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 more so to try and explain it to people and it was a, a kind of look that it actually was so as cathartic as it was you I think the play premiered last year didn't it in 2022 and when you look back now and you look back at you know little girl Ashling, um and all of the awful experiences that she had had and all of the paralyzing OCD that she was experiencing and the doubt and the confusion and the distress that that was causing what would you tell her now when you oh, look at how far you've come? um Oh, I suppose be nicer, you know, to yourself. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, uh, to, to trust your, um, to, to, to trust yourself in terms of your, like, you know, logic. Uh, you know, so I think I heard, I can't remember what, it was on some show or something and it was, you know, your, you have your brain and your gut and, and one is designed to think and make decisions and the other is designed to um, digest your food. So like, you know, you, you, this, you sh- listen to your, to, your, to, to your rational side, you know, what you know to be true. Kind of um, uh, gut instinct can often be correct but it's it, it's purely f- formed from experience so you have this you know you you have this feeling because things have happened a certain way before so you have this kind of gut feeling about something but if you have OCD then uh, the way things have gone before is that you've given into illogical and irrational fears so your gut is now telling you that's the way to go, um, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I suppose be nicer to yourself and follow your head would be my ad- ad- advice to my younger self. People with OCD can experience obsessive thoughts of a distressing nature. Compulsions can arise if you try and combat these thoughts and others who shut them down. It's a complicated disorder and everyone's experience is different. It's a silent illness, one you won't often see in someone else. If you think you're suffering with OCD or you know of someone who might be, reach out for help. 
Avenues of help are available on the HSC website, hsc.ie. OCD is not your worth. OCD does not define you. Is it me or my OCD? That's not the right question. How do I live with my OCD? I continue to be me. I continue to be me. This has been Is It Me or My OCD? Produced by Valerie McHugh in conversation with playwright Ashling Smith with voiceover depictions by Jessica Burke. Jessica's piece was based on stories of OCD kindly shared with the producer before recording. Thank you.